You violated the law. It's the full preview podcast, UFC 274. Hey everyone, welcome back to another uh, UFC pay-per-view preview card with myself, Dan, and Fenya once again. We are previewing uh, the... What's up? Yeah, we we don't have a good intro for this at all. Um, (laughs) And so this this is UFC 274, uh, headlined by Charles Oliveira versus Justin Gaethje. Arguably the best fight the UFC could make, if not like, what, top five? Um, but, for sure, top five, yeah, yeah, like absolute minimum top five, but like it's it, it's the highlight. Everybody wants to see it. Everybody can't wait to see it. But then we we kind of look at the rest of this card, and you kind of go, "This ain't that good of a card." Um, so, but in, in watching things, you discover that some of these fights are halfway decent. So it's not as bad as you would think and it's well matched in terms of who's fighting who but this this yeah in paper in paper this looks in paper this looks um a bit i mean very underwhelming and and when it comes to name recognition for sure it is but i think some of the matchups especially in the early prelims um I think the matchmakers did their homework and they put together some interesting stuff and maybe not pay-per-view worthy but but at least we have some good fights going on. Yeah. Then we get to the main card, and we have some really old people fighting, and I'm not sure if I'm very hyped about that, but we talk about that when we get there. Yeah, so I, I think the gist is, like, this This is probably one of the worst, like, top-to-bottom pay-per-views, but it's not as bad as we thought when we kind of dug into it. Um, it's But as for should this be a pay-per-view, the answer is kind of nah. But the main... I mean, the main event is so good that it's carrying the whole thing. And, and co-main is not bad, so... So, the, the gist of it here is, um, did we do a lot of homework for this one? The answer is not really, outside of the main event. Um, I mean, we we know who all of these people are, at least. <laughs> we, we do. So, if you're, if you're betting... If you're one of those people listening to this and bets your picks based upon what we say... Um, I defer to Fenyo more than me, but don't. I have some. I have some advice. I have some advice for bearers, but but always bet under your own responsibilities. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, it's um. But yeah, don't, um, we're we shouldn't be seen as the expert for like thirteen of fifteen fights for this card. I'd say. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean. I mean, we're we're here to to break down more the dynamics that we expect from the fight more than for picks. So, mm-hmm. so always consider that when we talk about fights, we're here to to break down to give a preview to about what you should expect from the fighters. Not uh, we're not here to make picks. I mean, we make picks because it it is fun, but True. it's not the the objective of this podcast. Yeah. So I, I think without further ado, we can jump into it here. As usual, we're going um, bottom to top with the topology page as reference. So we'll start at the very bottom, the prelims. Uh, the first prelim fight between two names that are absolutely fantastic. Journey Newson is taking on Fernie Garcia. Um, th- this was a surprisingly, I, I think, well-matched fight. 
I kind of think, like, both guys are kind of just, like, kind of there, like, extremely basic one-layer stuffs. Of, um, so, I, I saw Garcia on the Contender series for a bit. He comes forward, or he's very aggressive. He loses balance quite a bit, but his aggressiveness is really, really effective. Newsom kind of just waits at distance, seems to, like, throw one-layer combinations, but, like, where you can really get to him is if you put things together like Randy Costa did. But then again, Costa's low-key one of the better fighters, probably top 20, 25 in the division anyways. So it's not like the best really grasp of Newsom. Newsom, I, I think, struggles a little bit on the back foot if he gets put there. I think the the problem with Newsom is that yeah he struggles on the back foot and it's not very hard to put him there because he's he's content to to sit him back. So for me the Newsom the the main things about him is that uh, he's kind of small for the division but he's very athletic. Um, the problem is that <clears throat> he's pretty low volume. He likes to wait a lot, but he has some good looks. I think um, he has used some boxing mechanics, uh, uses uh, the sidekick surprisingly well from distance, uh, so he can jam uh, people trying to entry. Um, he can push forward and put kicks at the end of combinations, and he's very good at scrambling in the ground, like very, like basically impossible to hold down. Um, I don't think that comes into play here because uh, Garcia, mostly a boxer on the feet, uh, very kickable. Uh, doesn't move his head much, but uh, the thing is that he has a very quick trigger and he responds in combinations. Very heavy hooks from the part of Garcia. Mm -hmm. uh, I think Garcia is the favorite uh, according to the, the odds. I haven't seen, but I'm feeling like Newson has more depth to his game. And I think uh, the kicks especially will be trouble for Garcia, who is very kickable. Yeah, I think um, the takeaway here for me was Garcia, if he's able to press Newson back and get to him, Newson may be in trouble. Well, because Newson's pretty open to kicks himself and to shots, but like Newson is a bit more experienced. So if he is able to make Garcia back off or catch him when Garcia overextends, which he tends to do a lot. This might make Newsom kind of a dog in this one. So I I, I personally am going to take Garcia, but I, I think this is a close one. Yeah, I think it's it's either Garcia early or Newsom is going to take over as the fight goes on because Garcia is, is very good at the one thing he does, but the problem is that he only does one thing well. And Newsom... Um, it's not as dangerous, but he has huge power himself. Garcia is hittable, and he's he has more depth to his game. Like he can kick from distance, he can box in the pocket a little bit. Decent wrestler and very good grappler. So, so yeah, I think the well-roundness from Newson is going to carry him to a decision victory on this one. Okay, all right. So moving on to our next one, uh, women's strawweight. Lupita Godinez is fighting Ariane Carnesolosi. Um, Carnelosi. <laughs> eh, who knows. Uh, so I think um, the the main thing that stood out to me about uh, Lupe Godinez is that she's pretty aggressive and she really really pushes for the clinch very strong there. Um, um, you there's not a lot of mechanics I saw on the feet worth talking about, but I did see like consistently she's able to muscle opponents around if she's able to get them to the ground or in the clinch. Um, I only watched one of Carnalosi's Car uh, fights. And I basically wrote, she's a zombie archetype. Like, she's very <laughs> stiff, but she's extremely aggressive, and she's willing to really push for a physical fight if it's there. Error, and can take a lot of shots. 
in the process, but um, she's very, very aggressive and able to push forward. So I think um, I, I kind of favor Godinez if she's able to get the fight to the ground or punish that aggression of her opponent here, but I, I haven't watched enough footage to be like fully Yeah, uh, to me, like, uh, they're both very similar, like both girls that like to muscle other girls in the clinch. Uh, they are very powerful, athletic. Uh, the thing is that Godinez is like a more a more refined version of the same archetype. Like she has, uh, she has like faster and cleaner hands, like she throws straight shots. And uh, the takedown game seems a lot more a lot better like she can she has strips on the clean she can she can shoot at your legs she has a low single leg but Carlosi on the other hand is like just pure muscle um she has a few like uh, trip and and clinch takedowns but they are all mostly like based on being very strong um, I think Godinez is the cleaner fighter both uh, in the striking and in the clinch but uh, maybe Godinez won't like not being the stronger girl in there. Carrelos is very physical, physically potent, mm -hmm. and and Godinez herself is a very athletic fighter. But I think Carrelos might be the stronger one, and she has very good cardio too. So I think uh, Godinez is the safe bet. But Carrelos could take uh, the fight if she gets going and start pushing yeah. forward. Yeah, Carnalosi takes a lot of shots, but she still is able to get to her opponents if she's able to push them back. Yeah, it, it will be interesting to see who who pressures in this fight because both girls are uh, like so much to, to be on the front foot. So I think uh, whoever takes the back foot is going to be very uncomfortable with the presence of the other fighter. Um, I, I still think uh, Godinez by decision is the safest I choice take, here. I, I wrote Godinez too, yes. Um, okay, so next one is men's flyweight. Uh, Clayton Rodriguez is taking on CJ Vergara. Now, I think Vergara was on a previous pay-per-view having his debut against Ode Osborne, and I don't remember... Yeah, we talk about him, I think. Yeah, so I don't remember half the things I wrote about him, but um, what I saw is... Um, I, I did see a bit of a process from Vergara that he's, like, tries to put things out there, but he was kind of just having a bit of a massive experience gap against Osborne. Um, I mean, I mean, it was more of a athletic gap, I would say. I mean, Vergara looked like like experience, but he was a, a bit outmatched in that fight, I think, physically. Yeah, lots of, lots, physically and, like, in terms of ancillary tools, like, um, like, he, he does like to go to the body, very aggressive, loves to trade, but he's not, there's kind of, like, not too much there if he's not able to get those things out. Rodriguez kind of struck me as, like, an aggressive kicker, like, he really likes to go for a dynamic offense, and kind of in these situations, I think it's a question of, like, um, how much does the athleticism of, like, Rodriguez being so dynamic um, go against a guy who's a little more processed, like Vergara? But I, yeah. th I think this fight should probably be pretty good, honestly. Yeah, this fight should be good because Vergara just brings it. And Rodriguez, um, Rodriguez is very physical. He, he like, pressures for a blade stance and just looks for big kicks. He, he, he doesn't really have, like, a boxing game, but he can throw uh, hands hard and seems very good at defending takedowns. Um, he's very big for the division, too. Vergara, uh, I think, once again, is going to be a bit... Uh, a big, 
a bit outmatched in the physical department. But I think it could get interesting if Vergara makes Rodriguez like exchanging the pocket because Vergara has a a, a, a pretty good like check hook. And Rodriguez like uh, karate stylist doesn't seem to me like a guy that that fares well in the pocket. But he probably has the, the power advantage, so you never know. Um, if Vergara gets like a pace going, he might surprise Rodriguez. But mm-hmm. if Vergara is stuck at the end of Rodriguez' reach, um, that would be a problem because the kick defense. Um, I mean, it's, he, it's he not, has kick defense. It's just not. But he doesn't have answers. Yeah, he 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 can't come come back with counters of the kicks of the opponent. And Rodriguez like a very hard kicker, so. This should be this should be fun. The dynamic is fun. Uh, not sure how the fight is going. I tend to go Rodriguez because of the physical advantages, but but Vergara is a live dog in this one. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll take Vergara just because I tend to favor process sometimes over dynamism in these kinds of fights. But yeah, it should be pretty fun. I think it'll kind of like you'll get a good picture of where it goes in the opening two minutes. Yeah, this is this is a good fight. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, then we have. Um, a women's uh, flyweight bout between Tracy Cortez and Melissa Gatto, I think. Um, so, the main thing that stood out to me that's really, really bad about both of them is that if both get on the back foot, they have no sense of cagecraft at all. Um, yeah, they, they are very, like, inexperienced when it comes to, like, fighting off the back foot on the feet. But you can tell both of them, though, on the front feet are a lot stronger in their... Both, they look like they're decent grapplers, um, but Gato seems like there's a lot more layers to it. Like, you'll see her faint, um, her strikes into takedown transitions, and it seems like she can definitely crack. So, I, I didn't really see that from Cortez, not a lot of light looks on the feet compared yeah, to... Yeah, I think, I think Gato probably like a better grappler overall, but, but I think the problem for her for her here is that Cortez is like a way better wrestler like Gato is mm-hmm. like just muscling from the clinch and Cortez is like an actual wrestler that has takedowns like technical takedowns and yeah on the feet is interesting because uh, Cortez has like good ideas like you know she's being well schooled but she doesn't have the, the experience on the feet because mm-hmm. uh, because she's an She's like a dominant wrestler, so you can tell that in her previous fights on the regionals, she was just taking everyone down. But now that she's fighting like a higher level of competition, she has to strike. Like she had to strike with Justin Kish. And she still had her moments. Like when she goes forwards, she can put stuff together. She's she's a decent kicker, uh, has good timing with the punches. But as you said, uh, Gato has like a better sense of, of feinting and uh, more polished kicks as well. Uh... The problem for Gato, I think, is that um, she's been held down a lot in fights, and and Cortez might not be like uh, a very have a very like deep jiu-jitsu game, but she's very good at staying on top because she's a wrestler, and that's what she does. That's what she does. So, so yeah, man. But but it's an interesting fight between prospects at 125. Um, I think uh, Cortez is going to to etch it, uh, staying on top. But Gato is very live, especially early with the because she has power, as you said, and she has the submission threat. Yeah, and she like uh, although G- Cortez does look the better, stronger wrestler, possibly like Gato still looks strong herself. Like in sure, there's some more layers to like punch to takedown transitions. Like I said, so, yeah, the transitions are better for sure. Yeah, yeah. So I I think this kind of depends upon like um. 
a who's able to push the other back and like um who who can handle wrestling if it happens um i think you took cortez i think i'll take gato just for variety yeah that's good this is a close fight and this is interesting like uh if they're not very young but if they keep improving um they they could be like interesting prospects for the division mm-hmm. yeah okay so next one i think is one of the most interesting fights on the card uh welterweight between francisco trinaldo and danny roberts um fanio do you want to start this one off uh sure so we have uh, a trinaldo who is like 700 years old and um, move move up from lightweight like two fights ago uh, fighting against roberts that is a guy like with a lot of potential but seems to be like a bit of a head case like he doesn't put it together um but it's an interesting fight uh, both of these guys are southpaws right <laughs> yes yes um that should make oh that should make this interesting too um trinaldo like a very good counter puncher but he seems to have trouble with the the lengthy guys on welterweight with his counter style. I mean, he eventually gets the timing done, but he has trouble early. And Roberts is very long and very powerful. Uh, Roberts is very big too. I'm not sure Trinaldo is going to be able to wrestle him. So this should this should stay on the feet for for most of the fight. And this is very interesting. Roberts uh, less processed than Trinaldo, but. But he's dynamic, he has the strong kicks, uh, very good. Uh, a southpaw that relies a lot on the overhand instead of the, the straight left, and I think that plays good into a, in, in a matchup against a fellow southpaw. Uh, Trinaldo, on the other hand, so like, as I said, like most dangerous on the counter, and Robert gets wild here and there, so he will probably find his shots. It would be interesting if Roberts can get like volume going and take advantage of the reach. Uh, he could put Trinaldo in some trouble, especially because Trinaldo is getting old. I mean, he's fucking 43 years old. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think this is one of those general like um, old man bowling fight dynamics where it's like the old man is kind of more skilled as a fighter, Trinaldo is. is like You can tell like he can play with rhythm, he's... He's way harder to hit, like, decent cagecraft. But, like, um, in particular, one thing I really love is the double threat he can employ with the rear hand to the body with the shovel hook or the overhand left. Um, he can throw himself off balance against taller guys a bit, and gas- his gas tank is... Yeah, he starts issue. reaching, yeah. Yeah, Ro- Roberts is pretty scrappy, but, like, he is pretty capable of being cracked. But, like, if he can force a pace on Trinaldo and... Trinaldo, if he can't enforce physicality on someone who's bigger than him, then th- this may be a really difficult fight for Trinaldo to win. Um, and I kind of feel like just, yeah, just due to age and potentially the size dynamic. Is is this his first fight at one seventy, or is this? Uh, no, this is the this is the third one. Uh, he okay. fought so- he fought Salikov, he lost, and then he beat uh, Dwight Grant. Okay. Uh, so Roberts Roberts is like. In between, <laughs> technically, uh, in between Grant and Salikov, so this right. this is this is good matchmaking, I think, in that sense, because okay. it gives Trinaldo a chance to prove himself like a, a someone better than Grant, but not as technical as Salikov. <laughs> yeah, so I don't I don't know. This is this is a good fight though, and I'm interested to see how it plays out. Yeah, I think. Uh, 
I think Trinaldo is like the reasonable choice. I mean, he look okay against Grant, but Robert's very dangerous, man. Like he can put people out. He has a lot of power, yeah. and especially and Trinaldo. He doesn't like being small, and he's a small welterweight. Yeah, I, I kind of, that, that's kind of my thing. I think pace and size are kind of working against Ronaldo here. And at 43, you can only do this for so much longer. So, yeah, I, I'll take Roberts by decision. Yeah, I like Roberts better, but I think I'm going with Ronaldo here. Okay. All right, so now we get to one of the most important fights on this whole card. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Heavyweight, the return of the immortal Blagoy Ivanov. For those of you who have never seen Blagoy Ivanov, the dude might well be the most durable fucking dude ever. And he is fighting Marcos Rogerio de Lima, who my main takeaway is he throws heat, like a lot of really hard shots. But then I saw him do a cross check once and I was extremely confused because I wasn't sure heavyweights could actually do that. And... I see that he goes for reactive shots, um, but I also see Blagoy Ivanov, who is a immortal, well, is kind of a really like sneaky fast jab and like bizarre cardio in terms of like getting second wins. So <laughs> I have no freaking idea. Yeah, I think the uh, Lima has some like kickboxing ideas. He's a, a very decent kicker, despite like. Because he's kind of short for heavyweight, he's still going to be taller than Ivanov because everyone is taller than Ivanov at heavyweight. But the thing with 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 the Lima is that that makes him dangerous, but also expose him is that he swings like incredibly wide. Yep. Like he throws the most stupid hands of the world, <laughs> but it's very dangerous. Like we saw him clip Ben Rothwell in the last fight, and he fucking cracked him. Yep. Um, if Ivanov, uh. I think Ivanov will like that uh, the Lima is not that tall, so he will be able to to implement his like jab and lead hook game and circle around the cage. Uh, Ivanov is very hard to wrestle, so I'm I don't think that's going to play into this fight. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's either either the Lima like surprises early with the swang and bang, uh, which I doubt because as you said, Ivanov is immoral. Um, but the Lima, I think it would be smart for the Lima to rely on kicks on this one. Mm -hmm. I mean, heavyweights don't like to be kicked. <laughs> I think that we have learned from Volkov and, and Gain. Uh, but if he doesn't, and I'm not sure if he's that smart, I think Ivanov is just going to jab his face off. Probably. Yeah, I, um, I'll take Ivanov because nobody can say that that man doesn't have a heart. Um... But, yeah, I'm picking even of two, but 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 the Lima is very dangerous. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. Th this if you can knock out Ben Rothwell, then like even if Rothwell has taken a lot of mileage, like that's still insane. Yeah, I mean, if if anything, like this this is not going to be like technically pretty, but it should be fun because both guys always bring it, and both guys are funny. Um, so. Yeah, that, that's one of the main events on this card. I would probably watch that just for the sake of hilarity. But also because it's, you know, Blagoy Ivanov is pretty fun. Um, next fight, though, is actually, I think, arguably the second best fight on this card. Uh, flyweight. Brandon Roy. Matt Chanel is matched up against someone who is not Alex Perez. They broke the curse. 
Uh, he is fighting Brandon Royval, and um, this fight's a banger. Yeah, this one. This one rolls. So Royval, Royval is kind of interesting because I've seen people liken him to like flyweight Ferguson a bit, and I get it because like Ferguson, Royval's best offense is kind of his best defense. And he kind of goes for the same, like, scrambles and unorthodoxy. The thing is, like, he doesn't really, um... He, he isn't really, like, the same, like, kind of craft that Ferguson kind of employed behind the jab and kicking game. But you can tell, like, yeah. um, he's so dynamic and, like, dogged that, like, he can give guys who are still better grapplers or f- strikers than him, like Pantoja or Cara France, lots of trouble. Yeah. <laughs> He's very good at, at finding openings on the feed. Like he's very creative. Um, people sometimes mistake like cre- creativeness with like throwing spinning kicks. And I think real creativeness is like finding like the, those weird strikes in the right moments. And Royval is very good at sneaking like these weird hooks and knees up the middle. Roy- Royval is that- a, Royval is more of an opportunist than I'd say anything else. Yeah. He's, yeah, for sure. But but he's very good at finding opportunities that he's doing. Yeah, Royval's uh, all, like, pace and overwhelming, like, opportunism. His one problem is that he keeps giving his opponents, like, constant opportunities back into it because he's so aggressive. So, yeah, and Chanel, Chanel, on the other hand, is, like, very process-driven. Like, he fights behind the jab. Uh, pretty clean boxing. Um he has good footwork. He can pressure. He can go on the back foot. Uh, I think Royval is going to put him on the back foot because he's a wild man. Yeah. So and uh, the saving grace for the Chanel here is that he's a very good grappler. So if it goes to the ground, it's not game over for him. Yeah. But Chanel, it should be interesting. Yeah. Bontorin gave uh, Chanel a lot of trouble with his speed and aggressiveness. Chanel, like, is very willing to, like, throw back. But, like, if the fight goes at a pace Chanel doesn't like, like... His counters can only do so much. So, yeah, th- this is kind of a fight that's going to depend upon him being able to like make Royval back off and punish those little moments that Royval is going to give him. But um, or Royval's pace is going to overwhelm him. So, th- this yeah, I mean, it should fight. be smart. Yeah, it should be smart for for Chanel to try to accomplish top position. But Royval is so hard to keep on the floor. Yeah, I like mean, if you can if you can stop Alexander. Alexandre Pantoja from keeping you still for a while, then you're crazy. Yeah, it's it it's it's starting to get rough. I mean, Pantoja eventually like submitted him, but Pantoja is also like one of the best back takers in the whole division. So, yeah, it, it like Panto- it still took Pantoja a round and a half to like get there. Like Chanel has tools to compete everywhere, but I think the matchup is very complicated for him just because the the pace that Royval breaks to the table is not what Chanel likes. Yep, I I'm gonna take Royval. Chanel can crack though. Like oh yeah, yeah. Both both guys have power, so so anyone could go to sleep. But but yeah, picking Royval by submission round two, I think he will overwhelm Chanel. I I will too. I'll I'll say it goes to round three, but um. And Royval may get a moment or two where he gets in trouble because that's what happens. But um, yeah, yeah that's I'll what take, he does. I'll take I'll take um, Royval by third round s- submission or finish. Cool. Okay, so women's um, oh god, is this featherweight? Women's featherweight. Uh, Macy Kiazan versus Norma Dumont. Um, I I don't really get Dumont, so I'll kind of leave her to Fenyo because I think her goal is to counter but she's very stiff I, I don't really get it. yeah um 
Kyozin, I, I kind of saw, like, um, I like her urgency and, like, she has solid hand speed. Decent shot selections. You can see she has a bit of a front kick game and a decent check hook. Her main problem is that she can kind of be backed up too easily, but, um, I, I don't really have a read on this fight, though, because I don't really get, uh, Norma DeMont that well. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Chasson looked look all right on his last fight against Pennington, which, which no one expected to be a good fight, and it ended up being pretty good. Um, Dumont, on the other hand, like, looked pretty good, neutralizing Lad, but her problem is that she's not very dangerous. Um, she just, like, stays on fierce gear the whole fight, and that that's probably, like, worrisome against Jason that can actually crack pretty hard. Um, Dumont is going to be, like, cleaner if she goes in the, like, kicking at distance and finding her counters, but Jason is, like, the more powerful hitter and will probably put a pace on her. Mm -hmm. Um not also like more willing to wrestle and I think that's one thing that Dumont doesn't like. She's pretty good at defending takedowns, mind you. Like she's very strong in the clinch and has good hips. Um Chasson probably I mean if this fight ends up exciting, you know it's going to be because Macy Chasson is pushing forward. Dumont mm -hmm. is like decent but she's very inactive like she's very content to win around like with a few yaps and low kicks yeah um i think i still think that style like can like psych up some like more active fighters especially if they they can accomplish shit and Ramon seems to have like decent pop and that puts girls off so i don't know this seems like a conflict uh, should be good because because even if Dumont is not the most exciting, like Chasson like pushes forward pretty hard, and it's going to force Dumont to respond. Yeah, um, and, and you it seems a like a conflict to me. Yeah, I think um like it, it really depends upon the responses from Dumont then based upon what you said. Um, and but because of that, that also means there's kind of some unknowns about Dumont. So I feel I feel like Chasson's kind of the easier pick to make here. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. I, I'm. But I'm knows. taking the I'm taking the other the other option of taking the mod by decision, but mm -hmm. but yeah, this one this one I should advise like stay away from from betting from this one because yep. it's it is based in a lot of unknowns. It's not that it's I mean for for women's featherweight this could be a lot worse. <laughs> let's be honest, True. but but not a not a fight to bet on. I would say. Speaking of fights that are gonna be hard to pick, uh, the next one is one of the best <laughs> fights on the card. Um, actually, like one of the best fights. On this card, uh, welterweight Randy Brown versus um, Kaylin Williams, not Chaos Williams, because <laughs> any, because you spelled the chaos wrong. Um, th this fight should be really, really good. Um, so I, I like Randy Brown's tempo when I watch him. Like you, you can tell he really likes to use his jab to set up kicks. Um, he's very janky, but I, I do like that he fights with a lot of sense of urgency and has, like, a decent read on where he is in the cage. It's, but his, his main tools are, like, playing around with, like, rhythm and, like, shot selection to really make guys guessing what he can do. And, um, I, I do think, um, Chaos Williams, comparatively, is really, really aggressive. Doesn't have the most varied entries, but that dude, if you try to trade with him... And, like, he is going to probably crack you really, really damn hard. So, you kind of have this weird dynamic, though, where, like, both guys' strengths play into each other's weaknesses. So, Williams struggles with guys who can play with rhythm. But, like, Brown can kind of be put off a position by powerful shots, such as kicks downstairs 
or on the counter. So, it, it, for me, it kind of depends upon who gets that fight there. Yeah, I think I think it's pretty clear that we're going to see like uh, Randy Brown like keeping Williams at at bay and like doing his stuff, like having Barbado and shit. And the only question is like, will Chaos William like KO him <laughs> in, in those fifteen minutes? If not, Brown is going to win. Yeah. But the the chances that Williams actually KO him are, are not are not small because like the dude can fucking crack like he's he's like easy w- w- top five biggest hitters in in one seventy right now which is like, like he fucking kills insa- people which is an insane accomplishment because like fucking Vicente Luque is up there too yeah. I mean, Williams has, he's not, he, he doesn't have, like, the refinement that Duke has in the pocket, but but he has the power for sure. And I think Brown, Brown, it's, he has a lot of confidence, and I think he, he will fight the right fight, but he has lapses in his fights, yep. and that's when Williams will try to, to take advantage. I mean, if Williams go, throws, like, a very ugly, like, shifting combination, and Brown just, like, goes straight in, uh, goes back in a straight line. He's getting a slip for sure. Yeah, but if it, he, but if he fights behind the jab, he takes his angles. He probably stays safe. What yeah, do you think, Dan? My my thing is like um one one thing that concerns me a bit about Randy Brown is like I I do like his process and I like that he seems to come into his fights like decently schooled on how to handle the fights themselves. But there's always little moments where he's uncomfortable where like um. Against, like, Oliveira or, like, um, um, I don't know who else I saw him fight, but Oliveira, for instance, like, had consistent success, like, kicking Brown, and if Williams can set his shots off up of kicks or establish, like, tempo off of that, like, taking away the rhythm from Brown, whenever Brown can't set up things or can't, like, get his rhythm going, like, he's way easier to hit and he constantly has to reset, and I think that would be Williams' best opportunity. Yeah, and, and and the thing is that Brown has a decent chin, but but he gets caught like out of position, and you get caught out of position against Williams, and you're going out. Um, I th- this one is as I said, the dynamics pretty clear. Like Brown, I think is going to look like the better fighter for most of the fight. The question is if Williams is going to find that chin. I think he will. I think uh, Brown like has is the better fighter overall, but it's just that his weakness just plays straight into Williams' power. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I'm picking Chaos by knockout on the first. Yeah, I think this is going to be a minutes versus moments fight. If anything else, um, yeah, so I I'll take the opposite direction. I'll take a risk and pick Brown, but yeah, th- this is a this is a hard one because like both weaknesses play into strengths and the other way around. So it'll be interesting. Exactly. Yeah. But, um, yeah, one of the better fights on this card. Um, the next one is also welterweight, Andre F- Fialho, who also is, I think, a contender. Fialho. <laughs> F- whatever. Um, is also a contender for one of the harder punchers at this weight class, I think. Uh, is taking on <laughs> a guy named Cameron Van Camp, who I think is having his UFC debut. Um, and I've only seen one fight of Van Camp where he basically just finished the other guy by, like... Back, getting backed up against the fence and then like taking him down and then just subbing him. Um, and the moment I saw him back himself up and realized who he was fighting, I was like, "Oh, 
that's kind of bad against someone who can at least like compete with like someone decent at welterweight like Michelle Pereira and have like decent like cage cutting, insane power and like um it, it forced Pereira to kind of really up like his rhythm manipulations to really control him. So yeah, I think I think this is like I'm not sure why this fight is getting made. I think uh, Fialo, after his last fight, like begged for a uh, for a fight very soon. And I think the UFC is doing him a favor, and he's doing him a double favor because Camp doesn't look like a good match. Uh, I mean, it looks like a very easy matchup for him on the feet. Like he doesn't react very well to combinations. Uh, the head stays stays very put in the same place, and I think Fialio's just going to find the left hook over and over again. And he hits, as you said, he hits very hard. Mm-hmm. Um, Cap seems like a decent grappler, but uh, Fialio like fights out of Stanford MMA. I think his wrestling is going to be more than okay against someone that is not a dedicated wrestler. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll take, um, I'll take, um, yeah, I think Van Camp's gonna probably be finished in the first, to be honest. Yeah, same, I'm, I'm picking Fialio by no count in the first. Okay. Um, so now we're at the main card, aka the old men and, and the, um, questionable things section, and make, make up your own joke here, so, but the, the first one's definitely old men. Um, Donald Cerrone is fighting Joe Lozon, and I think, like, um, if this happened, like, a, f- a few years ago, it might have been decent, but both of them are old, Cerrone has not looked good, Lozon hasn't fought in, like, three years, um, so it's kind of a question of, like, um, has Cerrone gotten worse enough that Lozon's aggressive style can, like, crack him pretty bad? Or is Cerrone's process, like, still good enough to take advantage of, like, Lozon's, like, kind of defensive void? So, um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it it should still be fun. I mean, these are, like, two old guys, but I don't mind this matchmaking because, I mean, they seem to be, like, in a similar place in their careers. I mean, Cowboy, obviously, at his prime was a lot better, but he seems to, like... Uh, be like more degraded than Lawson, if if anything. So I think it's this is decent matchup uh, of the old man fights. This is the one that I like the better. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> um, definitely the best old man fight. Yeah, uh, as you said, if if Lawson like d- d- does his like classical like hot start, Cerrone could be in trouble because Lawson can crack and has like very fast hands. He he's like also smart about putting combinations together. The thing is that he's not very creative at the f- as the fight goes on. So I think if this goes long, like Cerrone is going to kick him to pieces. Uh-huh. It's like pretty yeah. obvious. Uh, also, like Cerrone is like very decent defensive grappler and, and wrestler. So Lawson, when he doesn't have the knockout, he has like the submission as the saving grace. That's not available at all against no. Cerrone. No, it, and it's like you can see if Lozon hurts him, like you can see Cowboy probably shooting, shooting, and like Cerrone's a good enough grappler that he can fend off like RDA a bit, like back then, but um. I, I think this is kind of an example of, like, if Lozon can't get him out, he might be in trouble. I think Lozon, yeah, has, like, two minutes before Cerrone starts, like, kicking him very bad. Yeah, I'm gonna... And, and, and if it goes long, like, I think the boxing will get better for Cerrone as well, so... 
Yeah, I'll take. So yeah, I'm picking Cerrone by head kick on the second round. I wasn't gonna say head kick, but that's probably the f- <laughs> shot. Um, I was also gonna say second round finish. Um, speak- yeah, I think Cerrone will. Uh, I think Lawson will have moments early, but but I think Cerrone will weather the storm and figure him out. Now. Yeah. So. Now speaking of figuring things out, light heavyweight. Mauricio Shogun Rua gets a shot at redemption after the skateboard incident against Ovid St. Prue a few years ago, where he was, quote, knocked out. It didn't happen. If you ask the real experts who reviewed the footage, me. <laughs> um, because a skateboard was flung in and he slipped. If you pay close attention, that's what happened. Quote, no, it didn't. Um, so, Shogun. Um, my God, is he slow. You can tell, like, there's still process and experience there, and you can still tell the little things, like his weird, like, blitzing flurry with straight punches. But, like, the main thing is he's just so damn slow now, and you can see, like, he's trying to push forward forward with some process. It's just not really there. And so OSP likes to hand fight, and he's, like, really good at conceding the back foot so much, which means his defense is porous. But, but he can, but he's a huge hitter and Shogun is old. So this, this might be a nightmare for Shogun again. Yeah, this is very bad, like matchmaking, I think. I mean, I, I understand what they're doing. Like they're giving Shogun someone his age, but, but always be like, he, he doesn't look like in his prime. But he still looks like himself. Uh, Shogun was a very physical fighter in his prime, but his prime was like what, years like ago? At twenty years ago, <laughs> it was like no like more than pr- more than no, ten years. Prime, yeah, his prime was like so, fifteen years ago, and then like you go to two thousand eleven, and it's like like physical that? prime was like yeah, like and then like two thousand twelve happens. And you're like yeah, what Shogun, the hell Shogun was like yeah, Shogun was having like uh, the the good portion of his late career, like eight years ago. So yeah. So so yeah. I mean, he looked he looks so slow against uh, Minotoro, and then against against Craig, he looked terrible. To be honest, like he looks yep. so bad, and um, and like Ovince brings a lot uh, uh, a lot of the same stuff to the table. Like he can grapple him. Um, he's going to hit him very hard. I don't know. I mean. I mean, if it if it's if the fight settles down, like Shogun probably has the process to figure out stuff against OSP, but uh, it's not going there. Like, like Ovins is no. going to hit him very hard early, and the fight is going to be over. Like, it's that simple, really. Yeah, nothing, nothing really. Um, to say. I'm picking OSP by knockout. Yep, on the first. That's the only pick, really. True. All right. I'm talking about people that look done on their last fight. <laughs> Shogun has looked done for like six, seven years, though. So, eh. um, <laughs> yeah. May- so next fight, um, one fifty-five lightweight. This fight would have been a banger like four years ago. Uh, Michael Chandler versus Tony Ferguson, and so, um. I think a lot of people are picking Chandler, and there's definitely a good reason to do that, and I think both you and I are going to pick Chandler, 
But I do think there are some things we are counting out about Ferguson in this match. Um, do you want to start off there, or do you want me to? Uh, I think the... I think uh, in in some senses, like Chandler is like very bad matchup for for Ferguson because not only he has the knockout power, but he's also like very strong wrestler. Uh, but I think in some ways he's more forgiving to Tony because um, even though Chandler is very good at staying on top and doing nothing, uh, he's not as dangerous as like Darius or Oliveira are from top position. And Tony was in, like in some very big scares against both. But that's because they are very good submission artists. Chandler is probably going to look to hold Tony down if he goes that route. And Tony is very active from top of, from the bottom. Might make uh, Michael uncomfortable from there. So who knows? Uh, Ferguson might have some interesting stuff to offer on the feet, especially if Chandler loses his pop. I mean, Chandler is very good at maintaining power late into fights, but it's not the same speed. So Chandler is always at his most dangerous on the first round. What do you think? So I, I think a couple of things we're saying. Chandler did go to war with Justin fucking Gaethje for 15 minutes. Um... But that's and that's worth bringing up that like um that weird anomaly of how you get like knocked out by Pitbull and like Oliveira and not by Gagey. That's a weird one. Um, but I think it's worth saying that um Chandler has been through a lot of really intense fights in his career. The Alvarez fights, Bendo, oh Oliveira, the Gagey fight, especially the Will Brooks fights, the Will Brooks, and so. Ch Chandler's not really, like, a spring chicken here himself. Um, but the thing is, like, not every fight of his has been, like, hyper-violent, like, punishing like Ferguson's has. Um, Chandler is also still, like, in an absolutely batshit insane athlete, even by lightweight standards. Um, so spe speed is what people are pointing to as a huge problem, and I agree. Um, the thing is, though, like, it, it, I, I'm not going to say, like, a you can see Chandler, like, probably super diminished, but I wouldn't be surprised if it happened sooner or later. Yeah, for sure. Especially after that last fight, like, Jesus Christ. Um, and this is only, like, five months after the after the, the Gagey fight. And on the other hand, Ferguson is taking, like, a whole year after the Darius fight, so maybe he looks better here, hopefully. So, Ferguson, um, my, my comments on Ferguson are this. So... Ferguson has definitely there is a huge loss of speed based upon Ferguson's last fight, but you can still see there's the process and ideas behind all of his like yeah for sure tempo like he still fires out that jab he's still trying to kick he's still trying to draw you into little traps in exchange with you you if you back him up the thing is Darius gave Tony problems because Darius never really let Tony set at and. Tony has always thrown himself out of position constantly and got everyone who has punished him for that succeeds. And Darius's main thing was to smother him and keep him on the ground. Um, it's... The thing is, though, I, I do see against Oliveira that in Darius that Ferguson is still trying to do things behind the jab, still trying to fire like counters. And Ferguson is, if anything else, really surprising Um in terms of, like, shots, and he's always been an underrated hitter. So I can see... Yeah. it. I can see um, potentially him surprising Chandler 
because Chandler is still pretty open to leg attacks. Um, but D Dariush demonstrated that if you're like initiating and you're spot on with your level changes, like you can get him down. Um, yeah, for sure. Tony I think the uh, Ferguson's Ferguson's like uh, like reactions on the re on the wrestling part look pretty bad against Darius. But one difference is that Darius is like actually when he pressures, he's very active and he's very like crafty with the with the volume. Uh, Chandler, when he pressures, he just pressures most based on the threat of the power. He doesn't do a lot. He's just like a little logic here and there, and the threat of the of the big right hand or the jab followed by the big right hand. So I think Ferguson will have a better time uh, if he if he doesn't get killed by the speed, of course. But he will have a better time like settling and figuring stuff out against Chandler if they stay on the feet for any prolonged um, a time. So yeah, I I think if. If Ferguson doesn't get overwhelmed or it gets smothered, or like he has a shot in both phases of like, like finding ways into it, but that's only if he doesn't get overwhelmed and like we're we're still assuming Chandler still has some of what he showed in his last few left and who knows, um so th there are kind of some unknowns going into this fight but I think this fight has the potential to be a lot more competitive and intriguing than people are giving it credit for. Yeah, I, I, I really hope that Chandler doesn't kill Ferguson like in 20 seconds. I, I want to see an actual fight out of this. And hopefully this is not a return of a blanket Chandler because that that's also a, a possibility. I hope that these guys bang it on the feet and Ferguson looks at least all right for the last time. Yeah, and I mean, for all intents and purposes, like, Ferg like chin is Ferguson's chin is probably still made of titanium. Even still, so I, I mean, I, he wasn't he wasn't knocked out by Gagey, so that should tell you a lot. Yeah, I mean, like, he was he, finished, but but that, it wasn't a knockout, like yeah. So and I mean, Oliveira and like Oliveira and like uh, Dariush did break a limb, but like they didn't damage him or punch him in the face a lot, like Gagey did. Um, yeah, hopefully the hopefully the longer layoff allows Tony to look like better here. So yeah, I, I think we'll I think we'll find out some interesting things about where both guys are at here, if nobody gets killed immediately. And I I'm not entirely yeah. sure that will happen, but yeah, it's it's. Kind I think of, it could happen. Yeah, you never know where you never know where Chandler's chin is at as well. <laughs> yeah, because the I thought I had figured it out before the Gaethje fight, and then that happened. Now I'm confused again, and people keep telling. But me... But to be fair, like. To be fair, like Gagey didn't didn't hit him like super clean like like Oliveira did. So maybe if, if Tony if Tony like finds the same the same clean shot, he might put him out. You never know. Yeah, and like I said, Tony Tony's kind of been an underrated hitter and like spoiler and like exchanges, so I can see it. And he surprised people because he has like like longer reach than expected and he has like like weird mechanics that throw people off. So Yeah. So, I, I think, um, I'm not gonna say this is a knockout. I'll say Chandler by decision, tentatively. I think this might be a little surprising. I'm going the negative route, because I really want Ferguson to, to win, but I'm picking Chandler by knockout on the first round. Okay. So, having said that, we are at the co-main event. Um, this is how many years in the making Rose Namajunas is rematching Carla Esparza for the strawweight title. Um, all right. 
I I'm not too keen on like um knowing how Esparza works. Um other than she's a pretty good grappler with a decent reactive shot if he's she's able to get strikes going. But then I saw her footwork and like how much she gives her back to the fence. So that kind of gives me some worries despite me having some concerns about how Rose Nama Yunus fights. Yeah, I think the the big difference here between this fight and the and the first one is that Rose is like way better boxer. She was mostly a kicker in the first encounter and now she's one of like she's like one of the biggest punchers on the division and and when when exchanges doesn't get like into very deep like rose has like very clean footwork and very good punching mechanics her problem is that she falls apart if they get into any kind of like prolonged exchange and she relies a lot on being like a big puncher yeah. I mean, you can tell that you can tell that uh, Joanna was like out positioning her, but Rose hitting like way harder than Joanna made it difficult for her to get any advantage going on. Yeah, uh, the thing. Uh, going. So I, I think my thing about Nami Yunus is, is like, I, I think her initiative is kind of one of the problems there. It's like you can tell she does a lot of like fainting and like technically sound things with her punching mechanics. But it's always the initiative and decision-making that's kind of weird. And my read on it is, like, she's good at grasping an opportunity. Okay, you're open, I got you. But, like, when those opportunities don't show up, she's kind of not sure what to do. So it's like, Ioana was out-positioning her, but Ioana is very aggressive and will give, like, look to take one to give one and be right in there in the trenches, and that gives Rose that opportunity. So when it's not like that, Rose can kind of be a bit stiff. So she kind of followed Zhang Weili around a lot in the previous fights, and so she she could be look a little stiff when she's not fainting or like doing those things on the initiative, and it means she gets like tagged sometimes by lesser strikers. I also think that when she can't get that physical advantage, um, such as against Andrade, like you can really really catch her like significantly. Either with um, like wrestling, such as like something Zhang did, or like with strikes such as Indrage. Um, having said that, though, with how much trouble I've seen Asparza have with distance management, and how much like Jan and like Marina Rodriguez really troubled her with the um, slight mix-ups, um, it's not. Yeah, it's not a great matchup for Carla Asparza. Yeah, it's not. I mean. Uh... I think the like the only thing that Sparsa like can re- reliably do well in this fight is that she she will have to take risks and get into exchanges with Rose because that's where Rose gets into bad positions and then she can shoot under that and and she can probably get easy takedowns that way if he shoots from the outside it's it's a no go she will shoot from way outside Rose is quick and she's athletic she's not getting taken down from by a naked shot and if they and this is like exactly the fight to to showcase that Rose is like a clean boxer from distance if she doesn't feel mm-hmm. feel threatened. Yeah. I think like Rose if Rose like pressures well and and keeps like a long distance with the straight punches, this might look similar to like what Joanna versus Sparsa looked like those many years ago. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Um, if Sparsa like, lands on top yeah, not not in volume, but but Namajunas can accomplish like the same damage with a lossless punching, because she's like way harder here than Joanna. Um, 
if Sparsa gets takedowns, I mean, that's kind of uh, an unknown. Like, Sparsa, a very legit grappler, and we don't know how much Namajunas has improved since then. So, yeah, I mean, that's that part is interesting, but it's not easy to see Sparsa getting those takedowns. Yeah, I mean, it, if there's some replication Zhang Weili kind of had, but Weili kind of had the benefit of like being a hard hitter and kind of deceptive with her rim- them in ways that Asparza wasn't. Yeah, you can you can tell that Namajunas didn't want to get into like long exchanges with Weili because she, I think that was some self-awareness about Rose. Like she knew that she's not very good in prolonged exchanges. So she was like, why would I get into a 50-50 especially, with this girl when I can outbox can, her? Especially someone who can go like an insane 25-minute like hard war yeah that's that's the other that's the other advantage for Sparsa because her cardio is great she's very good she can still push but but that all depends on the amount of damage that she's going to take because you cannot take rose sponges unless you're Andrade because she did but I don't think I don't think anyone else in the division can take like clean punches from rose from like 15 minutes straight yeah, so I feel like um, if Esparza can't get those, probably first or second round finish for Nama Yunus. Yeah, Esparza needs takedowns early and needs to prolong the fight. I think she needs both to win, and that's, that is like too many winning conditions. Um, mm-hmm. Picking Rose by knockout on the second round. Yep. So, yeah, enough about that. Uh, we get to the main event, the reason we're all, like, excited for this card. Charles Oliveira is fighting Justin Gaethje for the lightweight belt. Um, I will be right... I have an article preview that will be coming out, hopefully, um, within a few days uh, before the fight. I Ideally, by Wednesday or Thursday. Uh, we are recording this on Monday. So... Where I'll talk about like more subtle dynamics in this fight, but um, my God is my first word. This is either gonna end in like immediately, or it's going to be something special. Hopefully, the second one. <laughs> like I actually yeah. want to see these guys like actually fight. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, very interesting fight. Very interesting. It's not only that these guys are. Are both very good? Is that? Is they're that both, both violent um, as fuck? <laughs> they're both violent as fuck. No, but basically. yeah, but not only violent as fuck, but they match up so interesting. Absolutely, especially when it comes to striking. Like we have both guys that have like, like both very hard kickers, but in a different way. Like Gage is more like a timing of the leg kicks kind of guy, while Oliveira like pressures behind the, the long kicks and then has the mix-ups with the low and high, the middle kicks. And then you have like, both guys have a very sneaky like left hooks, but they use it differently. Like Oliveira very good at, at closing the door in combinations. Uh, Gage is very good at finding the, the left hook in the counter, weaving, for example. So yeah. it's like like similar similar tools but apply differently yeah, and that's and what make this fight so so interesting and so, beautiful so yeah i i think like a good way of starting this how it compares to Oliver's previous two fights the reasons why the chandler and poirier fights are kind of 50 50 on paper was because like they were kind of more about margins of error i think this one's even more fascinating because it does have that margin of error but there's kind of a different kind of a tangibles here because like you can see i think the two biggest ones outside of margin of error are initiative and um, attrition. 
Um, initiative, I think, is the biggest thing of all. Like, um, I think Oliveira's initiative is unquestionable. That guy is going to be coming forward. He's going to be trying to impose, like, his strengths on you. He's going to try to push you to the fence, transition to the clinch or takedowns, or, like, rip your body up on the outside. Gaethje's is a little weirder, because, like, he's kind of more of a reactive kind of fighter, looking to punish your mistakes, and, like, um, either, like, kind of plays... It looks like he's kind of trying to turn into a more of a neutral game as the Chandler fight showed us, so that might also just be because Chandler is still willing to stand in front of him. Um, so it, it's very, very interesting, like, um, seeing, like, the dynamics here. Um, yeah, you're definitely right about lead hands. So Oliveira's lead hand has kind of secretly become his MVP, like, because it's great at drawing out things behind the jab and then, like, jack-hooking you. Punishing it, but he also plays it off of his kicking game. The lead, like, teeps into the front kicks, using the lead hand into a collar tie or into a frame to get to his clinch, where he's probably the best. Oh, yeah, he's so good at that, yeah. Yeah, so it's like a, a super convertible, like, game he's built for himself on the feet. Um, the thing is, like, and he has a lot of things that go well for him, like, he works the body, he works the legs, etc. Gagey, um, Gagey's more the concussive kind of attractive worker, like, Loves to work with counter kicks, especially like loves to work with counter punches to make you back off or to overwhelm you. But Gagey also likes to fight in the clinch a lot himself. He's, or rather, um, one one thing that's going to be really interesting in this fight is like ma many people have asked about the clinch game. I think if it goes there, Oliveira's clinch is probably going to be a problem. But Gagey is willing to like collar tie you back and hit you, you there as well, especially behind uppercuts. And th there are sections of the Poirier fight where... Yeah, I think... Um, I think ahead. they are of similar quality. When it comes when it comes to the clinch, I think they're, they're both like very high level. But I think the what makes it dangerous for Gagey is that Oliveira has like better entries to the clinch. Uh, Gagey, especially in... Yeah, Gagey, like, since transitioning to the UFC, he, he just takes the clinch when he can. He's not actively looking for them. Um, Oliveira actually has, like, very crafty entries, especially, as you said, with the lead hand, but also, like, converting kicks and knees into, like, like surprise entries into collar ties or frames. So that should be interesting. I think... Uh, Oliveira also, I think, will have an advantage if she if he has Gagey's uh, back against the fence and when he starts the clinches, that's when he's the most dangerous. Yes, so th there is one thing with the clinch that'll be very interesting, is that compared to Poirier or Chandler, Gagey loves to hand fight and convert hand fight into, like, pun punches. If he yes. isn't, like, messing with, like, his upper body movement to throw you off... Like, he's playing with your hands and leading you into traps with them. Um, against someone who loves to, like, reach out and play with frames themselves, like, there's a sequence against Chandler where Chandler punishes Oliveira's collar tie, and Gaethje is really, really willing to hit people if they grab a hold of him. him so yeah. that is something worth going for here. But, so, I, I do think the big key here, like I said, is initiative. And if Oliveira is able to push forward, you can see him doing a lot of things, and he will be the most dangerous if he's able to convert his attempts into a grappling kind of centric game. Because al although, like, Khabib Nurmagomedov, like, subbing Gaethje on the ground isn't, like, the best benchmark for, like, measuring a ground game, um, th there are things Gaethje does grappling and wrestling-wise that are both, like, going to help him here and be a problem. 
So, like, before the UFC, like, if you watch his fight with Firmino, like, he has the tendency to, like, give his back, but he'll get out through Granby rules. Though, conversely, he's extremely willing to fight, like, grips and, like, look for sprawls. So, he can probably shut down Oliveira's, like, body locks or, like, at least stop them. But the more creative stuff Oliveira does with the back takes or, like, leg inclements might be a bit more dangerous. Yeah, that should be interesting to see. I mean, Gage is incredibly strong in the clinch, and so is Oliveira. So, so you never know how those things are going to play out when they are both in the cage. Um, I think Gage's tendencies to to fight hands is very beneficial for him. Um, this is in, in dire contrast to Dustin Poirier because Dustin, despite being a southpaw, he's a southpaw that is all about denying the hand fight because he likes to jab. Um, Gage, on the other hand, is very handsy. He's going to have his hands on Oliveira's hands, and I think that will help him uh, tremendously when it comes to to avoiding the body lock, especially because yeah. Oliveira is very good at changing levels and finding double underhooks. But Gage, on the other hand, is brilliant at denying that same stuff. Yeah. Um, there's a sequence where Chandler was able to get double underhooks with a pretty naked shot, but you gotta consider that Chandler is a lot shorter than Oliveira and a lot faster, a lot faster when it comes to the feet. So, so you know, you don't know. I mean, and even then, uh, Gagey was able to deny the takedown because he addressed the hands even when uh, Chandler had the lock, the the body lock. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I. I think uh, but as so- you said, it's concerning that. It's concerning that Gagey give, gives up the back when he goes. It I mean, is. his tendency is to immediately rolls to his knees, and that's fine against a lot of MMA fighters. It's not fine against Charles Oliveira. Yeah, it's um like the sequence where Oliveira fakes the right to get to Poirier's back is a big deal. Oh, um, because if he can do that to Poirier, he might be able to get that to Gagey. But he's gonna have to get Gagey to the fence first which might be a little harder to do than it was for Dustin Poirier. Um, because d- despite some issues with Gaethje's, like, outfighting stuff, like, you do have to work kind of a little hard to get him there. Or, whereas Poirier will kind of concede that. Gaethje isn't as easy to do that to, because he's going to be, like, drawing you into those counters. And that's kind of Gaethje's big, big opening here is that Oliveira, despite, like, his improved, like, defenses and strike selection, his best defense is still kind of his best offense. He's very, very good at, like, picking his spots in some long exchanges, but, like, if you can draw things out by touching at him or faint him, you can really catch his head because it's a very static kind of head positioning. Yeah, I think also what's interesting in this fight is if Gagey gets momentum going... I think, uh, especially in this matchup, not not always, but in this case, I think if Gagey gets success, he's more dangerous for Oliveira than than Chandler and Dustin were. I mean, Dustin was not very will willing to push forward because of the takedown threat, and and Chandler is like very burst oriented uh, offense, so he cannot sustain the success. I think as well as Gagey can. Gagey will probably start like he, the the offense gets more varied when he gets success. So, so uh, sometimes you see Gagey like not going to the body early, but when he gets someone hurt, sometimes the the body punching starts appearing. So that's interesting because Oliveira has been getting hurt lately, but 
he always he always had like a safety blank. I mean, against Chandler, she just t- shoot a takedown. Against uh, Poirier, he went to his back, and um, Poirier wasn't willing to engage there. So it should be interesting to see if Gagey gets to hurt him. What's going to happen? Yeah. What do you think so, about that? So I think um, there are kind of some default things Oliveira does, as when he's like put on the back foot. Like, um, or hurt. Like, he'll look to stand his ground or he'll look for that body lock, like, reactive shot. But, or he'll look for the clinch. The clinch is going to be the thing that'll save him the most here, I think. But, and, and that's the huge but, I have seen Oliveira backed up way, way too much. And even, even against, like, Tony Ferguson in that fight. Like, there there's some sequences Ferguson backs him up, up without, like, with just fainting, and if that's happening to you, that is a really, really big problem versus someone who can still cut the cage off really well like Gagey can. Yeah. And I think Oliveira, Oliveira with with the upright stance, um, he has gone, he has gotten better at defending kicks with time, but he's still kickable, like, surprisingly for someone yeah. that stands so tall, and it would be interesting to see if Gagey, especially if he goes with the calf kick, um, if he gets any success going there, especially because if he, Oliveira, doesn't have his his feet at 100%, Gagey is going to have an easier time defending takedowns. Yeah, and Gagey, Gagey, like, Oliveira does have answers to kicks, like, uh, I've seen him try to employ, like, a cross-check against Tamer. I've seen him, like, love to do little blitz counters to push guys back. But, like, he um, and he will be able to compete at kicking range with Gaethje because Ga- he'll be longer and will have kind of that longer distance. But, but Gaethje excels at, like, setting his kicks up behind punches or distractions better than anyone else in the division, especially on the counter. So... There's going to be some demands here for Oliveira to, like, really pay attention to if it becomes an attritive battle. Um, and I think if this is a take-one-to-give-one kind of fight that it might turn into, that's I kind of have to lean with the guy who is more historically durable. Oh, um, Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's... it's... It's so fascinating because, yeah, I mean, if they if they get like into this prolonged war, like you you tend to go with Gagey, right? Because he's he's the war guy, but but also like o- o- Oliveira gets so much attrition going on, like like the attrition against Dustin, for example, wasn't enough to to swing the the striking in his favor, but, but for sure, did. but it can, but yeah, it without the without the body strikes, like Dustin would have uh, eat him alive. But it it slowed down Dustin enough, and it made him pause again about leaving, you know, because without the body striking, uh, Dustin would would have just pushed forward and keep landing like shifting combinations. But because Oliveira was well prepared with the with the reactive knees, especially and the, and the clinches, uh, she, he he did a very good job of fending Dustin off. Yeah, um, and we've seen Gagey getting hurt to the body before, mm-hmm. uh, so it will be interesting if Whitman has any special special response, especially to the snap front kick that's very dangerous from Oliveira and a very good tool against Gagey. I mean, yep. Gagey usually doesn't have like a, a default answer; like he's good at parrying kicks, but uh, you still need a different timing to parry a, 
a front kick that you need from a roundhouse. Yeah, Gaethje's defense is pretty good, but like the body shots are going to be a big, big deal in this fight for him if Oliveira gets going on the feet. And Oliveira also like a, a, a nasty left hook to the body that that doesn't get talked enough. No, not at all. Yeah, I think I saw him like a, on a recent footage like training that, so that is a big one. So I think um, th there's so many dynamics to how this fight could look, but I, I do think like it's really, I, I think, going to come down to like how much Oliveira can really push Gaethje around, around and how much uh, he can, ha and what his answers are going to be if he can't. Um, so I, th there's just, there's so many little things going on that can happen. And, and that's why this fight's so good. Honestly, like it, it, sh I hope it's special and I think it probably will be. Yeah, I, I really want this fight to be like very entertaining. Um, when it comes to the peak, uh, to be honest, like to me, it's like very 50-50. A lot, a lot of things you, you just gotta, see, you just gotta see with your own eyes how it plays out. I think you can justify either way. Uh, personally, I'm, I'm just picking Gagey by knockout on the second, but, but to be honest, it's just like. I'm just speaking, you know, it's not based on yeah, anything I mean, in particular. I, I mean, if anything else, we, we've, like, well-established, and I will establish even further, like, I've talked about some of the things I will in, like, the article that's coming out soon, um, that Fenyo, by the way, has helped me with, huge shout-out to him, um, just as soon as he sends me the rest of the things, it'll be done, um, but this is, this is a fight where so much can happen, so little things that are unknown about how both guys are gonna handle it, it's just... Like it, it, it's it's one of the best sports the fight can make scene can make for a reason. Like there there's very very few fights the UFC, let alone MMA, can make right now that are better than this. Like if any, so I mean yeah for sure this this is incredible. So as for my pick itself, um, I w I was gonna save it for the article. So I I agree this is a fifty fifty fight, but I do think um, the things that give me a little pause um, here from picking the other guy is w when it comes to um, things I saw in their last few fights. I do have questions about like Oliveira's defense from a guy who is still very good at setting up shots, even if he doesn't touch his way in like Gaethje does. Gaethje is still capable of hitting off the hand fight. He's still very capable of fainting, like, surprises off of angles through shifts and whatnot. Um, and Gaethje is extremely capable in, like, neutral space and pressuring. And against someone who I feel needs to be able to push forward if he can't, like, get his, like, ground game going. Um, it's... If, if this becomes a take-one-to-give-one fight, I think it's going to be very, very tough for Oliveira, because... I've seen Gaethje fight some of the most exhausting fights ever and keep going. I have yet to see Oliveira fight one of those, even though what I saw from him against Poirier was absolutely insane. And, and he would, But he would not have won that fight if it had stayed on the feet. I promise you. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people, uh, some some very good analysts think that Oliveira was turning the dice with the with the, with the bodywork, which fair, like, he was doing a great job, but... But you know, like, he needed the takedown. Like, not because he could not compete with Poirier, but he needed the threat of the takedown and the takedown itself to, like, demoralize Poirier and keep him at bay. Yeah, and he if needed, he, he, needed, he needed both the threat 
and and also the grappling like to win. He, like margins of error is what costed Poirier, but it was more about ring craft in that one. And yeah, and also like Oliveira like pushed the margins in his favor with the grappling advantage. And if Gage can if, if Gage can ignore that, like it might be a different dynamic on this one. Gage may not be a better grappler than Poirier, but he's probably a better defensive wrestler and probably yeah for better, sure and probably a better cage technician and. If Poirier, and also that his striking is more conductive to defending takedowns than Dawson's is. Yeah, so ultimately, um, there's a lot of ways this can go, but if this becomes like a fight that comes down to like attrition and like um, who may get punished worse for like the little things, I feel like Gaethje is going to be like in way less trouble than the other way around. Um, so, and for that reason, I'll take him by a second or third round knockout. But I hope it's... But this fight can end as early as the first. But if it goes past the third, like, I would be shocked if it went past yeah, the third. Yeah, this, this is going to be... But even if this goes only five minutes, you know, this is going to be a great fight. Like, there's no way this there, doesn't there's deliver. No, there's no but. way. Like, um, and hopefully it is. But, like, it's it's just... This, this isn't... um. This isn't just margins. This is about initiative and like attrition too. This this fight could end in like seconds, but it, it may well be a brutally attractive war. I yeah. and I feel like I favor Gaethje kind of that because I've seen Gaethje have to fight exhaust during exhaustion against Dustin fucking Poirier and still like give him hell. Um, and even Eddie Alvarez, where he was basically gassed but still like clocking Eddie's head. Um, I haven't seen Oliveira do that. At yet, and that's kind of worth considering for me. So, yeah, I'll, I'll take Gaethje, but would not be shocked if this went either way. I yeah, can, for sure. Like, because I can see the attrition from Oliveira and the clinch and kicks still winning him this fight if it stays on the feet. It's also it's also I'm gonna make a suggestion to our followers uh, if you guys want like a both uh, post fight podcast from me and Dan. Just let us know, and we we will record something about this one because it is just so good. It so, is. So so it, it might it might be worth a shot to give to give your guys like or thoughts like very hot like so yeah so yeah I mean so the, anyhow I I think we've talked enough about this card so main event incredible cannot wait to see it i will have an article breaking down even more things hopefully soon um and i've learned from it that writing previews sucks don't do it um <laughs> um other otherwise uh, the rest of this card okay at best kind of eh, at worst it's kind of well match made but it's also like why yeah it's probably going to be a decent watching experience if anything just just don't expect like a lot of meaningful things to come out of this card except for the main event and maybe the co-main maybe chandler ferg maybe maybe <laughs> maybe yeah. has the potential to be okay um yeah so yeah i i got nothing else to say thank you all so much for listening uh this was a fun one to record um as usual uh you can f- find us off of the um, fight site patreon minimum three dollars join our discord um um troll hackserized with math questions um try to drive me crazy with bad video game opinions um um tell saram his hipster picks are worthless and that he should 
admit his love for France more Barroso. Um, find some way to piss Ryan off consistently. Uh, you won't be able to. Uh, give Ed a lot of hugs. Ed's a great guy. Um, and I lost the rest of the gimmicks. Um, <laughs> anyhow, uh, that's all I got to say. Fenyo, do you have anything? No, not really. I mean, um, bonus thing. I mean, Dan is going to get his his article out. Um, I have uh, videos that are, that are kind of old at this moment, but I have videos about both Justin Gagey and Charles Oliveira. So I will link those in my Twitter so you can check those out. And also make sure to check out uh, Daniel's uh, article, the preview article, because it's going to be great. I assure you that. Um, support us on Patreon. Um, talk to us on Discord, on Twitter. We all the time. We're very open to talk with other fight fans, and that's it. So, see you guys. Yep. See you guys. <laughs>